So Money episode 1119, Jesse Hempel, senior editor at large at LinkedIn and host of the Webby nominated podcast, Hello Monday. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Many of us actually miss our colleagues. We miss Mm -hmm. leaving a place every morning. We miss having a dedicated work spot. We miss the like lunches that you never thought you would miss because you never even really realized that you had with people that you saw every day but weren't related to. Welcome to So Money, everybody. November 9th, 2020. It's Monday. But you know, in the pandemic, Mondays just don't feel the same. Every day is Monday, right? Today, we're talking about the future of work, the current state of work and the future of work with a journalist who's been covering it for the better part of her career. Jesse Hempel is a senior editor at large at LinkedIn and host of the Webby nominated podcast, Hello Monday. She's actually got me on her podcast today. So you want to go over to Hello Monday, subscribe and check out our conversation about money. On our show, we talk about the professional world. For the past 17 years, Jesse's been writing and editing features and cover stories about the most important people and companies and technology. Earlier in her career, she was a senior writer for Fortune, where she co-chaired Fortune's Aspen Tech Conference. And before that, she wrote for Business Week and Time Asia. She's a graduate of Brown University and got a master's of journalism from UC Berkeley, lives with her family in New York City. So we talk a lot about some of her predictions about where the workplace is headed. Is working from home just going to become the new norm? I also enjoyed our conversation around how women, many whom have had to leave the workforce in this pandemic to take care of so much at home, how can women elegantly get back into the workforce without losing so much financial ground, without losing so much professional ground? Jesse's podcast, Hello Monday, featured as a new and noteworthy on Apple. Guest lineups have included Seth Meyers, Abby Wambach, Belinda Gates, Elizabeth Gilbert, Anna Ferris, and Laura Linney. My goodness. If you're not subscribed yet to Hello Monday, what are you waiting for? I can't wait to listen to those interviews. Here's my friend, Jesse Hempel. Jesse Hempel, welcome to So Money. Thank you for having me. I really wanted to start off by asking you, you've interviewed so many people and much of your life's work has been focusing on the workplace and business. And in your podcast, you talk to a ton of people about our mindset and relationship with work, traditional work, you know, the eight to 10 or nine to five or what it is. We are making a lot of changes in this pandemic, obviously, when it comes to work, whether it's, you know, me sitting here talking to you in my yoga pants, uh, haven't left the house in many days. And so what are these changes do you think are going to stick around in a post-pandemic world? If I only had a crystal ball for that one, right, Farnoosh? <laughs> right. Um, you know, I got an email from our uh, chief people officer at LinkedIn today telling us two things that really caught my attention. One was that we won't be expected to go back to work until next July. And so if we're on the money with that, that will be 15 months that I will have been away from my physical office. And secondarily, that from now until whenever, um, it will be the expectation that at least 50% of our time we can work 
from outside the office, home, or wherever we want to work from. So uh, that is the biggest structural change that I can think of to work in my mm-hmm. lifetime. And I know that on your show, you've talked to plenty of people about, you know, working from home and being remote. And it sometimes feels like there's nothing possibly new to say about that. And that is mostly because we just haven't really figured out how it works yet. Do we like it? Are we, you know, this is the debate that we're having at my house. Like, do we think that given the option, more people will want to be home? And I ask this because even if you started March hating being at home, because it was just really like, it just kind of crept up on us. And now if you've got kids and all the other responsibilities, it's a lot. But maybe by now you've figured out a groove. You've gotten a workspace figured out at your house. You've gotten the soundproof headphones. You, you know, you've got the babysitter. I don't know. You've gotten some things in place to make it manageable. Do you think that people, given the choice, will want to go back? I think that more people than we are imagining will want to go back. Absolutely. And I also think that when we go back, we will want it to be different. We will want all the flexibility. We will want ha- we will want to have our cake and eat it too, right? Like we, you know, many of us actually miss our colleagues. We miss mm-hmm. leaving a place every morning. We miss having a dedicated work spot. We miss the like lunches that you never thought you would miss because you never even really realized that you had with people that you saw every day but weren't related to. The thing is that when we go back, we will still want it to be less structured. And, and I should say, Farnoosh, you, you're, you are asking somebody who has a two-year-old. And I feel like there are many different experiences of what this pandemic working situation has been. And I just want to take you to my house for a second. Let's please. And everybody, just so everyone knows, Jesse, you're the senior editor at large at LinkedIn. Your show is called Hello Monday, which I want to talk about as well. But please take us behind the scenes. Well, so we live in a medium-sized apartment in Brooklyn, New York, which is to say for anyone who doesn't live in New York, it's small. And we have our son and my wife who currently has a job that she's working, although she'll complete it at the end of the year, and and myself. And we were trying to figure out how we were going to possibly make this work. My son, who is two, has more energy than like a puppy. He just is everywhere all the time. And even if our caregiver were with him in our house, there's no way we could get anything done. So we struck up a deal with the neighbors who live in the apartment next to us. They have twin two-year-old boys. And every day, our nanny takes our kid to their house and all the little boys play all day. And the parents from that house come to our house and it becomes a we work. And so you have four adults with their noise-canceling headphones sitting around the dining room table working like Gosh, it kind of feels like a co-op in college. It's like I'm an adult and I'm in my 40s and I have roommates again. Like these are weird times. I do not want this forever, Furnish. You're expecting another maybe yes. soon, right? <laughs> we are. So, we are. Um, how are you? So this is this is very relatable. I think a lot of listeners are at home with their little ones or maybe um, thinking of starting a family. I mean, what are you guys going through? What are you thinking when this baby comes and you might be all at home at this? I mean, are you accelerating your plans to maybe move? Yeah. I mean, it's so our baby is coming in March. Our, our um, lease is up in March. We're trying to make the decision that I just know so many people who are trying to make right now, which is, are we a family that stays in the city? Now is not a good time to be in a city with really little kids. Most people will agree about that. Are we a family who makes a bet on someplace outside the city and if we make that bet, where do we go? 
Um, and frankly, I don't know that we have an answer to that yet. And in lieu of not having an answer, we'll probably, as best we can, renew our lease and stay in our too small space until we know something more about what the world is going to do in the future. But I don't know, Farnish, I know that this is a decision that you've made recently, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we didn't make it because of the pandemic, but we were further encouraged to leave Brooklyn uh, and move to the suburbs in this climate. And we're really glad that we did. There are a lot of pros to being somewhere with more space, especially as parents with kids. I, I wish that for you, if that is something that you're looking to do, I can only, you know, I would hope that New York gets, I do think New York is going to get, is going to get its stride back. But uh, yeah, I think that it's the, the, the daily stresses of living in New York were already getting to be a lot for us. And then add a pandemic to that, it was impossible. Your show is amazing. For those of us listening who are familiar with Hello Monday, you know what I'm talking about, where Jesse talks to some incredible guests about not just like quick tips for work strategy, but you know, the way that we think about work, our relationship to work. It's kind of like how I like to think we talk about money on this show. It's deeper, more nuanced things. What is something that in the last, since March, say, when you were, you've been podcasting, that a breakthrough or an aha moment that you've personally had as a, as a result of a guest coming on your show and sharing some wisdom? Well, you know, th- thank you for saying that about the show. We really appreciate your summary of what we're trying to do because that's exactly what it is. You know, you start talking about career, but very, very quickly you realize that a career done right is like a deep reflection of the life that you're living. And so the questions are much bigger than just, should I go for the promotion? And, you know, one thing that we are talking a lot about right now is stepping out of the workforce. And um, this is a conversation that is happening mostly, not entirely, but mostly among women. My listeners write to me about it all the time. I will also say that all the listeners who have written to me about this have been women. And the question they have is... It starts to sound really familiar. It is some version of, uh, you know, I figured out how to keep things going in the spring. My kid was going to school remote, but now she's remote and I can't bear to watch her suffer through another school year and I'm exhausted and this is so much work. I think that I want to take advantage of the leave policies at my office. I think that I want to go down to part time or I want to step out entirely or I've been laid off. I think that maybe I should wait a while before going back. And, you know, inherent in that conversation are two things. People are looking for permission. Like, this is what I feel I need to do. If you can make it work financially and you need the permission, please have it. Take Mm -hmm. it. If that's the thing that you want to do for your family, do it with our blessing. And then, uh, you know, I say blessing. What I mean by that is... Our smart help in making sure that you don't fall out of the back of your life by accident. Um, it is possible to leave and then to come back and to do it with elegance and not to lose ground in your career. And so a lot of what we're talking about this fall, we had this great guest on the show, um, this woman named Carol Fishman Cohen. She has a consultancy out of Boston called Irie Lunch. You should totally check her out. You should have her on your show. And, you know, she has talked to us about the things that you can do proactively on the way out the door to make sure that you are ready, even though you can't envision exactly when it's going to be or even what job you're going back to, you're ready to come back. Um, Mm -hmm. And that just feels so pertinent to me right now. 
It's really critical advice, especially for the millions of women who are not working right now. A lot of those women because they were forced out of the workforce, because their jobs were taken away, because they evaluated what was happening at work and at home, and the home responsibilities took over. And then as women, because we're at the forefront of so many homebound responsibilities, we're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to give up the career right now. And I really worry about this. This is now being called a she session. I really think it's more of a mom session uh, because a lot of the women who have opted out, not that they really had the option, are women who have children, who have to take care of their children, maybe also their parents. What's the advice for those women? A lot of listeners are deeply concerned about this for a good reason. Like, Do we have any good advice for them? Because I've been saying, you know, well, take an online course or keep your LinkedIn profile fresh, but how can they truly have their narrative be strong on the other side of this so much so that they can get a a great job in June of 2021? Absolutely the right question to ask, Farnoosh. And you're, you are right also in saying that it is not just moms. This becomes a mom conversation very quickly, but I had a listener write in from Oregon who is, who has, you know, left her profession as a doula so that she can care for her mother who has Alzheimer's. There are a lot of reasons why you need to be a caregiver right now and might need to take time off. And, um, you know, there are some really tactical stuff. Yes, keep your LinkedIn profile refreshed. But here's another thing before you leave. Take two hours and do an inventory, do an audit of your week. Take take your calendar, make a list of all of the people you work with, the people that you report up to, the people who are your peers, and then also the people who are a couple of levels younger than you. Because when you step out of the workforce and you try to come back, those folks who are a couple of years younger than you, couple, excuse me, those folks who are a couple of levels younger than you or earlier in their careers actually will be in a position to be very helpful to you. Um, You don't have to do anything with that. This is not a huge, overwhelming piece of homework. Just keep it in a folder so that you have it because you won't remember it later. Um, The other thing is make yourself a list of 10 names um, with email addresses, maybe a phone number. And once a month, drop a note to those 10 people. You know, you can keep your network lightly refreshed and it will go a long way for you in the future. And then the third thing that I would say here, Farnoosh, is that for a lot of our listeners who are leaving, partly it's because they're feeling the pull of their families and their kids. Partly it's because they're not inspired by what they're doing. They're ready for a change. You know, you hit that point where you're kind of like dead in what you're doing and you know that you need a change and you're exhausted and you're burnt out. You may not want to go back to the same field that you're leaving. If that's the case, now's a great time to get a coach. Oh my gosh. My friend, Allison Task, she's here in Montclair. She's been on the show. You should have her on your show. I mean, she's not Abby Wambach, but she's <laughs> she's got great <laughs> advice. Um, helping so many people right now all across the world. Everyone is hyper-focused on career development. And this, if they are investing in something right now, it's their, it's their careers. Uh, it's uh, the sort of thing where you, you reduce your food budget to pay a career coach right now because that's how important it is. I feel like career coaches are 
the new therapists in that, like, we have finally um, given careers enough significance in our life that we allow people to have feelings around them. And we nurture those feelings. And we allow for self examination and reflection. And that to me is a great thing. Speaking of all those crazy guests you've had on your show, Abby Wambach, Seth Meyers, Troy Carter, who else here? Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh my gosh, Anna Ferris. What are you learning from these people who are at this top tip top of their careers who don't have nine to fives? But I'm sure there's a lot to extract that can be applied to us regular people. What are some of the things and takeaways from the celebrities who have who seem to lead such singular lives? Well, Farnoosh, it turns out, I love that you say that because it turns out that our celebrities are rarely our most popular episodes. That what people are hungry to hear about is like, you know, the story of how you figured out something that is somewhat universal about a career. And it also turns out that celebrities have all the same problems that we do and that they often tr go about trying to fix those problems in the same convoluted way that we do. And that you can learn a lot from the way they do that. Um, you know, Seth Meyers was our very first guest on the show. And um, he agreed to be on the show because he has very close personal friends from college with our editor-in-chief. Um, and also just because he's a really great guy. And we called him and asked him. And the fun thing about interviewing Seth is um, that people, when they talk about when they talk to Seth, they talk to him about, uh, you know, like the, the show and showbiz and all the rest um, but Seth is um, really a smart business guy. You have to be to do what he's doing. And so we actually had a conversation about management and how you manage creative people. Because um, I think that probably one of the harder things is managing a writer's room for a comedy show where you have a group mm -hmm. of people who all would actually like to be Seth Meyers, right? So they're really competitive. They're really smart. They have their own ambitions. If they're good at what they do, they leave. Like, how do you nurture people like that? And yeah, it is singular in that it has to do with a television show, but it's also universal in that all of us who've ever had to manage people, if we're managing really talented people, struggle with kind of the same things. You know, it's interesting here also the celebrities, while exciting, I think people, would listeners, I, I sense the, by the numbers, the downloads, that the, the real stories that are very much more, you know, everyday people stories uh, resonate far more. But it's always fun to hear kind of the behind the scenes. I remember Seth Meyers talking about how he got his late night show and he says that he found out about it in the New York Post. Mm -hmm. um, did he tell you that? Mm -hmm. That... that I guess, you know, Lauren Michaels told the New York Post, like, I, I want to hire Seth Meyers or something like that. And that's how he found out. And he says this to compare to Amy Poehler, who does not have a late night show, but he was saying is like vastly more talented. And for everything that she has tried to achieve in the world of comedy and anything creative, because it's such a you know, it's still run by guys that she's always had like her plan and her PowerPoint plan and her slides. And she's super, super, I mean, that would be an interesting interview because I think she's super type A in a creative world. But as a way to sort of defend as a defense mechanism, because like as women, you don't just get jobs. Like, right. You don't just, you don't just find out that you're going to host the Tonight Show or the Late Late Show in the paper. There are many more hurdles. Uh, and, and I think that's what he was saying was that it's, um, it was very humbling, but at the same time, you know, it was a reminder of just how hard women, more doubly hard women have to work in the creative field and in any field, really. 
Right. And I think that you see that on our show as well. One of our, one of my favorite recent guests is this author named Kelly Corrigan. Um, I call her an author. I don't don't know the right word to sum up her career. It's sort of like trying to come up with the right word to sum up your career because really she's a thinker, right? And she has a lot of channels for thinking. Um, And one cool thing she's just done is she has just taken on a special series on PBS where she is the host of a show that runs in the hour that the Charlie Rose show used to run in. It's been a long time since we um, heard about the Charlie Rose show, and it's probably good for humanity that that's so. But I think it's pretty profound that they've brought in uh, a woman to run a talk show and that her that her objective in the show that she's running is to have intimate, meaningful conversations with significant people. I also think that she has had to work so hard to get that real estate, that that spot so as hard. a talk show host, as a female host of a talk show. Talk shows are so hard. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. You think about like Katie Couric had a show, failed. Anderson mm-hmm. Cooper didn't last. Nate Burkus didn't, you know, there's like every, it's like, who's the new talk show this season? You know, it's just really hard. And, and then you got like, I follow this obviously very closely. Um, <laughs> but um, Steve Harvey, who was like on a tear and then his show got canceled. That was a real shock to me. But, you know, it's just about numbers. Like you slip a little bit and there's no, they, they have no, there's no forgiveness. You were telling me, Jesse, before we were live, that you've always been a personal finance nerd. And of course, your career might suggest this, although not a personal finance writer all your career, but you know, we worked at Fortune and CNBC, or you've appeared on CNBC, but you know, you are at LinkedIn now. And there's a lot of, you know, career and money are very intertwined. What drew you to this at a young age? You talked about coming out of college, wanting to be a poet and realizing very quickly that you had to get very good at money, handling money to pursue that, that path. Well, it's funny. I would actually, you know, we were talking about creativity. We were talking about creativity and creative careers. And I always knew that I wanted a creative career. And I also always knew that I was coming from, you know, somewhere in the upper middle class of America, which meant that I... Uh, had enough family support that I would have a basement to go live in if I needed to. But I wasn't going to get a lot of help from my parents. I was going to have to figure out how to pay my rent myself. And so very early on coming out of college, I understood that the key to my ability to be as creative as I wanted in my career was to be as smart as I could about money from day one. So, you know, the the first thing I did was buy Susie Werman's book. It was um, real big in the late 90s. And I made a budget. I wrote the budget in pages that I put in a three-ring notebook and I recorded every dollar that I spent. And my first job that year, because it turns out that poet is really hard to get hired for, um, my first job was uh, to be a teacher with Teach for America. And I made $28,000. And to this day, I can account for how I spent every one of those $28,000. And my favorite is... Um, I, it looked like I wanted a Walkman. And so I saved up for that Walkman. It cost $79 and I put $12 a month aside for a certain number of months and then purchased the Walkman. Mm. Um, and I love looking back at that budget because I also kept a journal that year and that journal tells me nothing. It tells me it's like a, <laughs> a list of everyone I had a crush on and a list of like everyone who had done me wrong and it's kind of meaningless. But the budget tells me everything about who I was at 22. 
Maybe you can time it and see, okay, when in the journal did I break up with someone? And then when did I go crazy on the Ben and Jerry's purchases? That's a really bad joke. Total corollary though. You could totally do that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really wonderful that you did that and that you have that to look at. And you know what? You can show that to your kids. Yeah. When they're older. Well, I hope my kids Sounds don't corny, worry. But it might be it might be the thing that kind of gets yeah. them drawn in. I hope my kids don't worry as much about money as I worried about money as a younger person. I mean, I was really I was really scared about it. It felt big and scary and like something that I didn't understand. And um and I don't know, but I think that that is probably true for a lot of young women, particularly young women who grew up in at the time that I grew up in the 80s and 90s where My parents didn't talk to me about money. That wasn't really something that our family talked a lot about. Mm -hmm. You did not become a poet, or at least not professionally. What was that moment like for you? Did you have to have a heart to heart with yourself? Did you, are you still maybe pursuing it, but we don't know about it? How, how did you transition that? Well, so shortly after college, I also went to Barnes and Noble and picked up the big book of um, first year salaries off the shelf. And I was with a friend who was a nurse. And remember she when looked, we used to go to Barnes and Noble? Remember that? Those remember you like those things? Yeah. yeah and, and instead of Googling something like that, you would think, well, it's got to be in a book somewhere. Like, you know, it, no, I barely remember it. But I know that I did that and that we looked up nurse and that it said $50,000 under first year salary. And I just thought that was so much money. And then we looked up poet and it said $12. And that was the moment when I was like, okay. $12? Yeah. Like, I wonder even what that $12 is for. Is that like you, (laughs) that's like assuming that you win a prize every five years and amortize that over the five years? I don't know. Um, But, you know, clearly it was not going to provide me the Walkman that I wanted at that point in my life. So I figured, well, what do I love to do? I love to write. Where do people who write make a living wage? Um, business journalism. And so that is, I mean, it was a, a longer path than that, but that's how I began to pursue magazine writing. And, and honestly, you know, I'm a podcast host now. I host Hello Monday um, and I love it, but it is a very different expression of my work than, the, than what I've done for the last 17 years, which is write long form magazine articles for magazines like Wired and Fortune and Time. About business mostly, right? Mostly about business um, and about science and technology. But mm-hmm. ultimately, like my specialty has always been narrative storytelling. And I know that I've said this to you before, Farnoosh, you know, business and sex are like the money and sex are the two things that drive drama. You want to tell a good story? Look at love, follow the heart, or look at money, follow the wallet, and either is going to take you to where the drama is. So I actually found business um, writing extremely satisfying that way. What do you think is a story that's being untold right now that, that pertains to either business or money or just an area of real curiosity for you, given that you know, you've at this point, you've talked to so many people, you've lived, you've got the lived experience of, of, you know, living in this pandemic. And if you had to be assigned a story, if an editor came to you and was like, Jesse, let's write something that you think is important right now. What, what would it be? You know, increasingly, and I really see this at LinkedIn, I am impressed by the way in which people who take control of their own personal brand narrative can create so many opportunities for themselves in our economy. 
And this used to be something that we thought, uh, like, of course, journalists could do this. You could do this. I could do this. You have done this, Farnoosh. You've created an amazing media empire out of the things that you're passionate about and curious about and have developed expertise in. But increasingly, I think that we see that people across every profession are doing this. And sometimes what that's helping them to do, and by that, I mean, you know, starting podcasts, blogs, books, representing themselves on LinkedIn, becoming their own mini brands. And it's allowing them bigger opportunities within companies. Companies are more likely to hire you to be the head of design if they can Google you and discover that you are displaying your expertise on that topic. And and this is the thing that is most exciting to me. Increasingly, you're seeing people be able to create more opportunities for themselves independent of companies than they could ever create inside a company. And I'm excited to see where that goes. Well, Jesse, we're so happy that you got time to come on our show and we so appreciate it. People can can hear us talk on your show. You asked me some of the best questions about work and money and I really, really loved our conversation and so grateful that you were able to stop by. Thank you. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. Thanks so much to Jesse Hempel for joining me again. Her podcast is called Hello Monday. You can find her work on LinkedIn and check out her podcast where you can listen to our conversation about the future of money on Hello Monday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.